I make this trip as cheap as possible to the point that I find out a friend is going there and that his company is paying for his room. Like, dude, I'll give you 50 bucks if I can sleep in your room. Not even that, because I know he's not paying for it. And I'm like, hey, bro, how do you feel about slumber parties? He's like, dude, come crash with me. And so I pack, bro down. I pack an air mattress in my carry on. <laughs> and so instead of paying like $200 a night for a hotel in New York TSA City, TSA is not like, uh, what do you need an air mattress for? <laughs> to, like, to stay for free at my friend's hotel room. Oh. Uh, Welcome to Talking Benjamins with your host, Benjamin. Hey, welcome to Talking Benjamins. Uh, it has been a while since we've been, been together, but uh, thank you for your patience. Uh, we'll start uh, putting these out on a regular basis. Wanted to hone in, tune up some things. Um, but I have an awesome, awesome pleasure today of sitting down with my younger brother, Nathan Childs, President and CEO of Spark Merchants. Um, he'll uh, kind of tell the tale of his uh, journey at Walmart and now as the CEO and president of Spark Merchants, how he helps individuals um, broker into Walmart and helps them uh, take a good idea and get it launched on the big stage. And there is no bigger stage in this world when it comes to getting your merchandise on the shelves than Walmart. So he knows what he's talking about. Um, if you kind of get caught up in the uh, the, the merchant brokering part of it um, and, you, and you think, oh, I don't need to hear this. Just just push through to the end or skip over to the end. And you know, he talks about, uh, has some really good things to say about overcoming some of his challenges as a small business owner and, and what it takes and has some incredible advice, some incredible advice uh, when it comes to um, starting your business and making that leap of faith, especially when you have a young, uh, young family and you quit your job at <laughs> the largest company in the world. Um, but I hope you guys enjoy, as always, listen to Disclosure. The purpose of this podcast is to entertain and inform, not to make any recommendations for you personally. So even if you think something you hear on this podcast is a good idea for you, don't do it. Consult a licensed professional that can work with you personally. And without further ado... Here's my baby brother, Nathan Childs. All right. Yeah. Okay. Make sure you're talking to your mic, would you? Yes, I will make sure I'm talking to my mic. All right, man. Nathan Childs, man. Thanks for being with us. It is my actual pleasure. Yeah. Ben Childs. Welcome to Talking Benjamins. Talking Benjamins. <laughs> that's going to be our new uh, cue line. It should be. Instead of like, welcome to Talking Benjamins, that's going to be like, what is A it? A bad falsetto. No, I want to hear you back. I don't think I could do it again. Okay. Um, right on, dude. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Slept in your uh, your house last night. That was cool. It was. We're brothers, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like he has something to add to Talking Benjamins. Because you, you made some gutsy choices lately, man. I have. So, uh, so uh, you know, because for a long while now, it's been... Uh, yeah, my brother lives in Bentonville, Arkansas, and he works for Walmart and Fortune One. When I tell when I tell people I work for Walmart, they're like, "Oh, do you push carts and stuff?" Oh, that's my kids. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. like, "Uncle Nathan works for Walmart," and it's like, "Does he work at that one, Daddy?" No. Does he work at that one? <laughs> no. Not um, that there's anything wrong with working for those WalMarts. Absolutely not, dude. Walmart, um, Walmart pays pretty well. 
It, they do. But I work uh, for the corporate office, or I worked for the corporate office in Northwest Arkansas. Right on. What were you doing there? Um, How'd you make your Benjamins? My Benjamins. So I worked there for almost six years. I came in through a merchant training program, um, and I ran the planning side of the desk, which is like basically being the CFO to the CEO. You know, if the buyer is the CEO and gets to make all the calls, the planner's like, hey, you probably shouldn't do that because it's going to mess up our inventory levels or whatever, right? So I did that for a couple of years, and then I got promoted to a buying position on natural How'd your skincare. buyer like you? Um, Cause it sounds like you told your buyer what to do and said, I, how'd they take that? You know, I talked to her in a coffee shop the other day and we've got a great relationship now, but we actually had a yelling match once, um, in the pods and I say pods. So Walmart's got these like sea of pods. You've got visibility for like a hundred yards on the second floor of Walmart with no windows. I'm kind of imagining cubicles. Is that right? Yeah. But cubicles are low walls. And so we have this cubicles, low walls. <laughs> we have this altercation about, you know, data Please tell me what the what the product was. Uh, we we're talking about sunscreen. <laughs> and that sunscreen's not as good yeah, as the other crazy. sunscreen. No, you're gonna make more money for Walmart if like, you take that sunscreen. Sales were bad, and I explained to her why you know sales are bad X Y Z, and I gave her you know absolute information, relative information, trend information. Like it was it was pretty well rounded, and then she's like, you need to layer on um, heat maps on top of these other bizarre data sets, right? And I'm like, okay, listen. That's like 10 hours of me crunching data and it's not going to change the answer because we know what the answer is, right? And then she's like, that's your job. But I'm like, not to get time wasted. Anyways, bottom line is she got promoted and I took her desk. So gotcha. win-win. And we're neighbors and we like each other. So it's fine. <laughs> she lives in your neighborhood. She does. She's like three doors down. Oh, right on, dude. Yeah. That's a great band, by the way. Three doors down. Three doors down. If you're... Born in the early 80s, they are. Yeah, buddy. Early 80s. Whoop, whoop. Late 80s. Woo, woo. So, <laughs> Three Years Down is great. Um, I'm trying to think of a song now, and I'm distracted. But, uh, no, we can get back to you. Yeah. I'm still trying to think of the song. Is it about crying in a river or something? No, but I'm going to remember the song, and I'm going to sing it here towards the end. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, so you started at Walmart. Yes. And then you became a buyer. What's buyer do? I mean, I, okay, I know so, what, buyers buy stuff. I, yeah, buyers I get buy it. stuff. So we get assigned these uh, these categories, right? Mm -hmm. So I ran natural skincare and sunscreen. And inside of that. Na um, like natural skincare is different than regular skincare? Yeah, like the Burt's Bees and Shea Moisture, Yes to the that kind of stuff, right? Okay. Kind of a smaller section compared to um, the like the mainstream skincare sets like billions of dollars. And right. I was like, millions of dollars. Right. Um, anyways. But what do buyers do? Um, so they have P&L responsibility. Profit and loss responsibility. Profit and loss responsibility. Um, you have to make sure you're profitable. Yes. So I was the gatekeeper. Um, so if anybody wanted to come pitch a product to Walmart, um, I was the person that needed to buy it because I was in charge of driving the strategy to grow sales um, and profit at the fastest rate possible. Um, you know, also while being responsible with inventory, cause you're obviously just trying to crank up your sales and profit while reducing your inventory so that you can, you know, continue to get better shareholder profits and stuff. Shareholder profits. Yep. That's what we're all about. <laughs> get that dividend. Um, I think we should increase minimum wage for Walmart workers. Yeah. So, I mean, really buyers are given an, a very unique amount of authority inside of most corporate structures, right? Nobody right. doubts that the buyer's in charge of pretty much everything that happens on their desk. 
as well as driving. And I mean, because in any given category, Walmart's got like a 30 share of the market, right? So, you know, in sunscreen, if I've got a 35 share, I can say, hey, I kind of want the market to go do this. And they might think I'm really stupid. But if I sell it to them well enough and I put like throw some Walmart weight around, I can get people to do stuff. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. So it's like a powerful 30 year old. For real, dude. It's like I, the God <laughs> complex is unreal. How you can change the art. Right, so, so here, all right, maybe we'll use a different Most buyers are God. terrible to deal with because we're used to people like older, more mature, more wealthy people groveling to us to get more distribution. And not groveling, but like, you know, acting like we're the smartest, most handsome person ever. And I understood that, you know, most of that was people just trying to flatter me and stuff. But Well, but it's pretty much how you've been treated by them. Yeah, people for your entire life. You know? <laughs> not the like smartest, the most handsome man I've ever met. Not like when you have five hundred million dollars of buying power. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right. So then, so that's what you did. Yes. You left. Correct. What do you do now? Um. So in Northwest Arkansas, there's a service industry that has merged. It's been around for quite a while, but um, Walmart has. It's a, every account has their own intricacies, right? Whether you're working with Target or Walgreens or CVS sure. or Walmart, right? Yeah. Like there's this special little language that is out there. Everybody's got different supplier agreements. Everybody's got different data sets that you can go and manipulate and get things from, right? So Walmart's obviously a very important account, and it's also a data-rich account because we don't charge people for our data. And so you have these small to mid-sized companies that, you know, it's a guy and his two brothers or like a lady who started in her kitchen that like want to do business Walmart and the buyer wants to buy them. Or like Bert who has bees. Exactly. Or Bert's who has bees. Um, There's more than one Bert. Pretty much any company that is small and has not been acquired by a major CPG and CPG is like consumer packaged goods, right? Gotcha. Um, So like Procter Gamble, J and J. Exactly. If you haven't been bought by Procter Gamble, J and J, Clorox or whoever, SEJ, um, most of those people are actually going to use a middleman in Northwest Arkansas. Right. In the, the common vernacular is like a broker, right? Okay. And so you broker stuff in and you say, hey, you know, I have a connection with this buyer. I know buying strategy. I know how to manipulate your data to give you actionable information. I know how the replenishment system works. And I can provide this turnkey system in Northwest Arkansas so you can maximize your Walmart distribution, which is the most important account you're going to be dealing with. Right. And so you have this, this, this job to do, right? Um, so basically you take your, your knowledge from being a buyer yes, and your network from being a buyer correct, to start your own company. That is accurate. And at the same time, you went from being the uh, prettiest girl that wants to be asked, everybody wants to ask her to the prom to mm-hmm. just another guy that wants to ask the pretty girl to the prom. Correct. How's that going? It's a trip. Um, is your complex gone? No. Now that you have 500 million less of buying power? <laughs> it's different. Um, so I got good advice when I was first a buyer at Walmart. Is that, um, and it was actually a VP gave me this advice. He's like, hey, for a lot of you guys um, or gals, you're, the suppliers will provide you with your next job, right? So so he basically prepared you to jump ship. More, more or less. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who it is, but he has jump ship. Um, and it's he, like pay close attention to your networks because you probably won't be working here your whole career. Walmart has layoffs, man. It is important to maintain a network inside and outside of Walmart for sure. Yeah. Um, but I was not let off for the record. Um, 
Anyways, so this is the official record. This by is the, the way. official record. Um, anyways, what was I saying? I interrupted you. You did. Uh, you were telling me what you... <sighs> kind of what I do. Oh, yeah. oh, the the advice I got. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm now. I'm super intrigued. Yeah, exactly. So the suppliers will be your next source of a job. And he says, don't be a pushover, but be fair. Right. And so this whole time I tried to stay as grounded as possible, even though that actually is very hard when you're in charge of way too much for being 28 or whatever you are when you're a buyer. Um, there's a lot of us that were pretty young. Um, and so I did a few things. I communicated very clearly, even if it was bad news, I communicated clearly. I was responsive. And then I got a reputation for also being very clear on the strategic um, initiatives I wanted to go after and my actions all, um, fell into those buckets. Right. So when I left all those people that were telling me all of this extra stuff weren't as, you know, accessible. Nobody answered my call or stepped out of their mom's funeral to answer the, the buyer's call. But like my network was still really strong because I actually responded to people and I got a good reputation of being fair, um, and executing on a strategy. Right. So the supplier community, even though I'm not allowed to work with the people that I was buying back into my categories, um, and I can't represent anybody into the whole beauty department. So right? no, no sunscreen, no no sunscreen, naturals. no natural skincare, and no cosmetics. No, oh, so no, the whole departments, no yeah, all whole all, departments, all, all buyers, right? Yeah. But all of those people have you know typically photo. the front right section in front of pharmacy, right? <laughs> Depend on the layout. <laughs> um, anyways, a lot of those founders know other founders, and so really my reputation as a buyer has kind of, you know, propelled me into this world with a good reputation and I've had surprisingly good response once I left. Cause there's been people that have left that have been like, Hey, I'm awesome. Everybody wants to come work with me. And then they leave and they're like, Oh no, uh, you're the worst. We don't want to work with you. And that hasn't been, um, the way that it is at all. Right on, dude. Yeah. So, so far, so good? So far, so good. All right. So, as a small, as a, a budding small company, mm-hmm. um, what, uh, what's what been your biggest challenge so far? That's interesting, man, because, so, there's been a couple things. One, the tiny little pain in the butt things of, like, getting your own insurance, like, figuring out payroll, like, <laughs> how do I do taxes that aren't W-2? Like, it's, there's a bunch of little things. Right. Um, and then also like paying for my own travel is like, you know, you used to like, when you're working for corporate America, you're like, I can't believe they didn't fly me business class. And like, why is our per diem only 50 bucks? <laughs> a right? layover? Why do I have a layover? Exactly. But now I'm like, how cheap can I make this trip? Um, <laughs> <'cause>, <laughs> so I, so the first trip, so I, I left Walmart and like a month later, I want to go to this trade show that's in New York city. Right, it's the fancy food show. It's like fancy foods east or whatever, because I need to start generating clients. And you're gonna get fancy foods into no fancy foods is like the big convention. Okay. Right. So there's like a thousand like booths at fancy food, all people trying to sell stuff. And a lot of them are already in Walmart. Some want to be in Walmart, some don't want to be in Walmart. Like you just you're there. So you're not setting up a booth, you're hitting them up and being exactly. like I'm business services. Do you want to go into Walmart? Yeah, you give them your like elevator pitch and then you go from there. But anyways, this this trip. I make this trip as cheap as possible to the point that I find out a friend is going there and that his company is paying for his room. Like, do I give you 50 bucks if I can sleep in your room? Not even that. Cause I know he's not paying for it. I'm like, Hey bro, how do you feel about slumber parties? He's like, dude, come crash with me. 
And so I pack, bro down. I pack an air mattress in my carry on. <laughs> and so instead of paying like $200 a night for a hotel and in New York TSA's city, is not like, uh, what do you need an air mattress for <laughs> to, like, to stay for free at my friend's hotel room? Oh. Um, which actually is the happy egg company. Thank you. Happy egg. We, um, incidentally are right next door to them. We're right. And yes, we are. We're, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're. Their team lead found out about it, thought it was hilarious, and I ended up going to dinner with them and hanging out. So it was right on. It was cool. Um, and so had Happy Eggs affiliated with a competitor of yours. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. And that competitor's allowing us to use their conference room right now to do this very podcast we're talking Benjamin's. That's true, but I had a really good relationship with them when I was a buyer. So it's like positive karma. A.K. You made them a lot of money because you gave them Walmart's money. Yeah. For their eggs. No, it wasn't eggs. Um, they represented at that time a company called Yes2, but Yes2 dropped them at some point along the way because I cut their distribution too much because Yes2 strategy was not on point. But and then you've gone back to Yes2 now, gone full circle, and they're your client and their yes strategy is on point. <laughs> Yes2's not my client. All right. <laughs> but uh, so you made it out of New York, uh, able to gather some clients together. Uh, got some solid leads for sure. Um, actually, out of that meeting, I don't think I landed anyone from that, but it's going to be a slow roll. Cause there's, there's a pasta sauce company actually. I really like that is going to be like a year down the road. Cause they're, they're fully penetrating their whole foods account. And she's like, we're absolutely using you, but it's going to be a little bit later. Right. Pasta sauce. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of those things. It's like, I'm going to get the payoff in two years, not in you no. know, three months. All right. So the hardest thing is all the knickknack stuff. Yeah. It's a lot of the knickknack stuff, including couch surfing. <laughs> on other people's corporate yes scenarios and wi-fi wi-fi surfing is also interesting so for the listeners who don't know i have five children so this whole work from home concept isn't a thing that's correct folks we have 11 children between the two of us yes multiply and replenish the earth hashtag nailed it <laughs> nailed um, it nailed it um anyways so i uh i pretty much chase wi-fi i go to coffee shops and wherever <laughs> to work <laughs> which is ironic because i don't drink coffee either <laughs> At first, I pretty much chase chase my wifey, wifey, uh, and <laughs> wifey, my wifey. So you chase Wi-Fi, yeah, I chase Wi-Fi, right on. And then so you're so you're you're dude, you're just you're just gunslinging, man. So you're doing it. Uh, oh, and insurance, paying for your own insurance hurts real bad. Yeah, it's hard. Fifteen hundo a month, man. <sighs> yeah, just get it right off at least. Yeah, as a business owner, there you go. So. Congrats on that. So what's the thing you like? So if that's the most challenging thing is the knickknacks and stuff like mm-hmm. that, um, what's uh, what's been the, the best thing? Because obviously you, you left a pretty good situation there in Walmart to kind of try and do your own thing. Correct. Um, so it, it Walmart, right? Like if I killed it. So like there were situations where over a 12-month period I negotiated like $10 million in cost decreases, right? I got a 2.5% raise that year. And I was like, I think I've got a decent eye for retail, right? And I know how to negotiate a deal. So now the most exciting part about what I'm doing is saying, hey, if I structure a deal and negotiate a good deal, that directly benefits me and my family, right? Whereas before it was going straight to Walmart. But now it's like, hey, I get to think about categories all over the box, not just one super narrow category where I get to think a ton about it. And then when I get these wins... These wins now come into my pocket versus somebody else's pocket. 
And so I get to bring in brands I'm really excited about to buyers that are hopefully as excited about them as I am and connect these people and make the account function, you know, flawlessly um, so that everybody's happy in this deal and it makes a significant difference. Sweet, dude. Yeah. So then, so how do you go about, so you go to a trade show, you find a client, um, maybe you had some existing relationships before it sounded like. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a couple of revenue streams like right when you jump out in general, like most buyers, like anybody in merchandising is going to get hit up right when you leave for information. Right. Right. And so like private equity firms will call you to be like, Hey, what's your opinion about this company? Or like people you used to work with was like, Hey, come give us a training on X, Y, and Z. Like there, there was immediately some consulting money that was available. And if you hustle a little bit, you can kind of like stretch that money out be like, Hey, yeah, I do want to consult, but it needs to be on a six month basis. Here's what I can, I can't talk about. Right. So I've created some of that like income bridge. Right. Um, that has made, you know, starting the company possible. Right. So as far as my work streams go, you know, consulting is pillar number one, because that's what's paying 80% of, you know, my take on pay right now. And I'm going to keep that going as long as I can, because it's, it's a lot of fun to help develop strategy and, you know, guide people that way. Um, but the most important pillar right now that I need to grow is this, you know, um, commission based product placement, um, where I'm landing companies, signing them and then getting them in Walmart for that, you know, percentage commission of cost of goods. And I actually, I landed one of those surprisingly fast after I left Walmart. Mm -hmm. um, and since then, there's only been like three or four others and only one that already had distribution in Walmart. But this guy had a few items and he he actually pitched me sunscreen at one point. Um, and I thought it was really cool. I thought he was like a genius, um, but nobody ever followed up with me. And basically his broker didn't do his job, right? right. Um, because if his broker would have like continued to push the vision be like, hey, let's have some follow-up meetings, let's make this happen. like. I would have done significant business with that guy. And so I thought about this guy right when I left and I was like, I'm giving this guy a call. And so I called him like, listen, I think you're great. Here's what I can do for you. And your other guy probably lost you a, a millions, millions of dollars. Right. And he's like, okay, that dude's fired. You're hired. I was like, what? So all it took <laughs> was you throwing the other guy under the bus. I don't always recommend that strategy, but yeah. <laughs> but it's, if a buyer comes and says, Hey, here's what best in class looks like. And here's right. what this guy did for you. Like, I'm going to be best in class, you know, for, and I gave him a screaming deal too. Cause I, I needed to land a couple commission based clients. So right. he, uh, he's got a good deal and we've done some good things since then. Product on the shelf. Yeah. What's the, what's the number one product that, that, Oh, hold on. What's the name of your company? Oh, my name, the name of my company is spark merchants. Spark. Yes. Spark merchants. Bum, 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 bum. And it was one of those things where I was blown away that the there was no trademark on yeah, Spark right. Merchants. Spark Merchants. That's kind of dope. And the so domain name was open. So Spark Merchants. So as Spark Merchants, the first the first thing that Spark Spark Merchant Merchants ever put on Walmart shelf was what? Um clean out drain cleaner. <laughs> hey man, somebody's gotta compete with Drain out. So you went in there and you pitched clean out drain cleaner. Uh yes, technically line extensions to clean out drain cleaner. Gotcha. So you were like we got to get some more clean out drain cleaner on there. Yeah. And since then I've pitched dog beds. I pitched inhalable vitamins. I pitched, um, what else? Dog beds, dog beds. Yeah. Like this dog bed's better than the dog bed you currently have. And uh, most of the time you're like, this dog bed is more affordable than the dog bed you currently have <laughs> because dog beds like basically private label. They carry 13 items and you basically need to say, Hey, this beige dog bed, 
that's a square, I can make it cheaper um, and better. So you like increase the value equation, right? Like, gotcha. hey, same or better quality, and I can give you four or five more points of margin, right? And they're just like done. No, it's that was surprising actually. That one kind of blew me away because I don't even, I don't even know if I got distribution on that item yet, right? And we went after that one pretty aggressively, but like I got connected with a guy. Um, that his factories, I'm trying to think about what I can and can't say, but he owns a factory and they were providing dock beds to the marketplace. And I was with a high level of certainty, you know, I knew we were the best price. Right. And serious pushback from the buyer because he had strong relationships with the other players, even though I knew it was the exact same dock bed for... Because it's coming out of the same it's factory. It's coming out of the same factory, man. So <laughs> it's all made in the it's same all, place. Dude, for real, man. Like some of these industries, it's like there might be I mean, there's somebody that can like import a dog bed, right? But there's the surety of supply is not there. So you get like right. you source a bunch of raw materials from China basically, and then you like have a machine sew it. Um anyway, so the bottom line is so there's just not that many manufacturers that do certain things. There's like three. And then pretty much you got like 12 companies sourcing from the same three compressing their margin and trying to convince people that they're better value because they have, you know, better designs or better, you know, customer facing support team or whatever. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So as long as they have the best broker out there. Yeah. Darn right. Spark merchants. Then, uh, so, <clears throat> all right. So the, uh, did I ask you what you like most about being, Self-employed? Um, kind of, but I answered it in kind of a weird way. You but sure did. I would say, I don't know, it's just exciting. to The growth opportunities are just exciting. And so I get I get filled with this like adrenaline of the deal a lot, which I am just, there's just a lot of fun for me. And then also thinking about a lot more businesses all at once. Because right? before I was just hyper-focused on skincare and sunscreen, and I was a category expert on that because I was – yeah, whatever. Right. And now I'm like, Hey, this is a really cool idea. And then I get to go to the Walmart store, look at what's on shelf. I'm like, Hey, here's what I think the buyer's thinking. Here's why I think this product is a good idea. Here's what I think needs to happen for us to get this into Walmart. Right. So it's, it's a lot of fun to think about so many different industries. Right on. And really the commonality is getting it into Walmart. Yep. Hashtag Bentonville. Mm -hmm. Hashtag Northwest Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Right on, dude. I dig it. So, what are you most worried about? It, ben, so we were <laughs> talking about this earlier. So there's stress. That's what you like. Um, but then there's like out in the future. Is there things that you worry about? I think I worry about growing. So, I'm, number one, I'm worried about when the consulting money dries up because your ability to consult is strongest in the first year, and then after that, your shelf life kind of goes away because Walmart has changed enough of their right. technology or enough of their systems that like your information is not recent and it doesn't matter and it's not that valuable. So am I in a position to, you know, maintain or grow my lifestyle 12 months from now? Right. I worry about that. And so I'm, I'm thinking, Hey, I need to land X number of clients with product in Walmart or land X number of clients that are going to pay a retainer until we get items in Walmart, or I need to land the products I'm pitching now that are going to start shipping summer next year. Um, and so you start working out into the future that way. Um, and that, that worries me a little bit, but I've got, based on the traction I'm getting and the conversations and the stickiness, like 
there is enough stuff that comes out of the woodwork to suggest that I'm going to be just fine. Right. So the question is, how do I grow my business from there into the kind of enterprise that I want? Right. How do I cross all of these little bridges? What's that look like? It's, I mean, there's a couple of different models to go after. Right. And I've right now, so like zero to three years or zero to five years, it's going to look a lot like this, right? Where I'm a premier boutique consulting firm in Northwest Arkansas. And I have a max of five or six clients. And those are all $200,000 clients. Like that's, that's the vision. And I have, you know, two support staff members that help me crunch numbers and set up items and do replenishment and all the kind of, you know, strategic and tactical expertise, right? While I get to go and source these deals. Um, beyond that, there is a model that says, Hey, you can hire, you know, as many people underneath you to be your sales agents and you just go and source these monster deals. Right. So I'm the feeder system and then I've got, you know, high powered employees that are, you know, interfacing with buyers on a day-to-day basis. Right. And that's, that's crossing over into this, you know, big broker model, um, which is Northwest Arkansas. And there's pros and cons of going that way. Obviously, you know, you grow your revenue that way. Um, the cons are, I don't give people the exact same kind of service that I would be giving them if I was involved. Like I'm going to be from, you know, five years from now. Right. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Sweet dude. Yeah. It's exciting. So then, uh, so as you, uh, you know, stress about business and grow your business, mm-hmm. um, and worry about Benjamin's, um, what, uh, I mean, what sources have you found that are benefit to you? Um, I mean, is it, is it just purely your experience? Are there books that you read? Is there mentors that you lean on? Mm-hmm. Um, what's been that path like from an education standpoint? I would say mentors first, books and podcasts second. Because um, before I left, I had lunch and sat down with like six different brokers. There's like a merchant podcast out there you can like jam no, on? No, There's just like business, like sales podcast, right? Right. Um, so number one, I did lean on a lot of mentors in this space. And everybody's pretty nice in this industry, man, because they all recognize there's enough money to go around. Um, it's not like they're not going to get... You're saying that Walmart has enough money? Yeah, dude, believe me. Walmart's <laughs> got enough money. Because Walmart's got like a hundred thousand SKUs in it. A SKU is like an item, right? So like if you have like a hundred thousand different widgets and you assume that, you know, 70, I don't even that man, like 60% of those widgets are controlled by a big company. You still have a ton. You have 40,000 widgets that like need somebody to help them or they're going to try to do it themselves and do it poorly. And then two years down the road, they're still going to need somebody to help them. Um, And so it's not like, you know, if there's like 500 consultants in Northwest Arkansas, that's still making a lot of people a lot of money. Like even if you spread that evenly. Um, but I mean, not everybody's created equal, right? People offer better levels of service or whatever. Right. So it's like anything else. Um, but everybody was pretty friendly, um, on the coaching, the training and their different models or different philosophies. So you just kind of take what you like and discard what you don't. Um, as far as things that I've read, Pitch anything, I think, is what I've modeled my sales pattern after the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that. You just, like, drop the mic and leave. Like, the buyer will call me. Well, so 
when I was a buyer, I recommend that book as well. Yeah. listeners. When I was a buyer, I was pitched thousands of times, thousands of times. So you like see, you've seen it all. I've seen it. And so like I, different things people are trying to do. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, two months before I leave, cause like I time my, my, you know, me leaving from Walmart, I time it up with my baby. So I knew like maybe two months before my baby that I'd kind of made up my mind. Cause that, that makes sense, right? Like I'm going to have another baby and then I'm going to quit my job. Yeah. I'm going to get, I'm going to get, <laughs> I'm going to rack up five kids and then I'm going to leave. Cause that makes the most sense. I mean, don't go into their six. No. And there's five. Yeah. Um, and there's very, you should get back to that question about why I chose to leave when I did. Um, but the books, what we're talking about. Yeah. Pitch anything. Um, so I, I, so I read a, a couple of books. Um, I read pitch anything. Um, I read never split the difference. Um, I listened to a couple other podcasts and I was like, okay. And when I listened to pitch anything, I was like, it was like a revelation because I was like, holy cow. The people that I gave, like the people I really partnered with and leaned into and like that made me believe in their product. So I was really going to push it because I believe my P&L was going to work. All of them exclusively followed that model, whether they were doing it on purpose or not, right. they were doing it. And I was like, well, holy cow. I don't know if that's just me, but like, obviously that pattern worked. And so who I'm re- going to, I'm going to emulate that pattern. Who recommended that book to you? That was my, it was my older brother, Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so that for five percent of uh, Sparkworks, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the most impactful uh, sales book. Right on, dude. When did you or uh, why did you choose to leave when you did? You I was getting, referred to ask you that question. Getting back to my question, because I I got asked that question a lot. Everybody's like Nathan, what's wrong with you? Exactly. You have restricted stock units at Walmart. Yeah, you I, have health insurance. I did leave like forty thousand dollars of stock at Walmart, um, <laughs> and kind of really terrible health insurance. Walmart does not have great health insurance, but, um, I was, I was in this position. My career was on a really good trajectory. Um, but I was debt free except for my house. Um, so vehicle, credit card, everything. It was fine. The bonus year was really good because Walmart had a good year. So I got, Dude, can I just pitch in there just for a second? Like, cause when anybody talks about, um, starting their own business or I want to get into rental properties or I want to, like I, I want to do something else, mm-hmm. right? Um, one of the number one reasons, I would say the number one reason that as we sit down and talk about it, that they're trapped in their nine to five or they're trapped wherever they're at is because their fixed costs are terrible. Their fixed costs are high, mm-hmm. right? They got two car payments. They got a house payment. They have a boat payment. Um, they have a rooms to go card that is on an 18 month, um, interest free payoff thing. They have a best spot, you know, you name it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're fixed. Like the lifestyle that they have is month to month has financed them out of the opportunity to break away. <coughs> so sorry to interrupt, but I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was key, right? So it was a good bonus year. So I had, you know, five months worth of cash from this bonus. If I lived really lean, um, and I was on this verge, like I knew based on conversations, what I've had with my boss and based on like other VPs sniffing around, I was going to get promoted in the next two or three months. Like it was going to happen. Um, and I had a good reputation, good trajectory. And I was like, you know what, if I get promoted, I could have spun it one way and been like, Hey, my network expands. I get more experience. Like there's lots so of good you, things to get promoted. And but if you get promoted, where do you get promoted to senior buyer? Okay. Um, or like a higher level buying desk. Um, but I was like, if I do that, 
I feel like I'm going to end up with a bigger house, right? Or I'm going to end up with a new car. <laughs> and if I do that, I'm never going to leave. And so it just dawned on me because like Julie's been really patient, right? We live in a pretty small house. So we live in an 1800 square foot house with a crazy low mortgage because we live in Northwest Arkansas. We bought that house like $97 square foot. Like my life will never be as cheap as it was when I decided to leave, right? So as far as, like, as, far as startup capital, the lowest amount of startup capital I would ever need was right now. And so I was like, it just felt really, really good that now was the time to go do it when I had, you know, four or five months worth of money in my pocket and a ton of ambition and very low liabilities. And, you know, honestly, like with my skill set and the network I had, even if I flopped at this and I made no money, never landed a client, nobody wanted me to consult. I still could have landed a job in like three or four months in Northwest Arkansas with my skill set. It might it might have been a really crappy job that I didn't enjoy doing, but like my family was never going to be hungry. So, dude, that's so good. Like yeah. I like that's because everybody gets paralyzed by fear, right? And I'm not saying that. I mean, obviously, not everybody can go out and be an entrepreneur. Not it's not everybody for everyone, to, right? Man. And it's not everybody's jam. And I and I I totally recognize and get that. But I think that even with like simple decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether they be investing decisions, right? Oh, how should I invest my money? How should I um, do this? Oh, should I buy, you know, what kind of house should I buy? You name it, right? Um, a lot of decisions that, that uh, well, I, you know, people will say what? Fear, greed, and hunger, right? That's what decisions mm-hmm. are driven by. Um, and sex. <laughs> Thanks, Nathan. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so, but from a fear standpoint, so many people, um, you know, they don't ask themselves like, you know, what's the worst case scenario, right? Like, Hey, if this doesn't work out, that would, that would suck. Like it would, it would be terrible and it would be hard and yada, yada, yada. But it's like, but really what's the worst case scenario, right? What do I have to lose? Uh, 401k maybe, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, I don't have a ton. My life doesn't cost a ton. What's the worst case scenario? Uh, worst case scenario. I still don't have a ton. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And that's, and that's the case even, you know, even when people want to get into real estate and they're afraid, it's like, well, what's the worst case scenario? Worst case scenario. Hey, you try it. You don't like it. Um, you have to sell the house for less than you bought it for. And it's a five or $10,000 learning opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. Okay. Five or 10,000. That stinks. I get it. Right. But that's a whole lot better than like being 30 years down the road and thinking, Oh man, I should have gotten into real estate. Well, you know what? Now it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> I said you're 65 years old. I shouldn't say it's too late. You can you can do it whenever you want to do it. But I'm just saying the uh, you don't have quite as many years in the future yeah, at 65 as you do when you. But it's like, but 30. you know, it's but you find out like what's the worst. And I just I, I just feel like it's something that people do not ask themselves enough. Like, mm-hmm. what's the worst thing that can happen? What's the worst case scenario? Right. It's like, dude, you go ask that girl out. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? I was going to say no. I was going to say no. My feelings are going to be hurt. And, oh, I'm going to feel bad about myself. But what's the best thing that could happen? Yeah. You have five kids. Yeah. In six years. My wife stalked me, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to put on the record how desirable I am. My wife stalked me. That's uh, how desirable I am. Yes. So, <clears throat> but. Uh, kind of a big deal. You've got many leather bound. We can't books. say that. I'm pretty sure because he's got a podcast, uh, Mr. Who? Burgundy. Really? I think so. Yeah. Ron Burgundy. Mm-hmm. Like Will Ferrell's Ron Burgundy, or like mm-hmm. the actual? Is there a real Ron Burgundy? 
No, it's actually Will Ferrell that pretends like he's Rob Burgundy and he actually does a podcast. So we're going to run into copyright issues if I say I've got many leather-bound books and my home smells of rich mahogany. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or even call yourself a big deal. But uh, There's no way they can trademark a big deal. Hey, hey, LeBron James is trying to trademark Taco Tuesday. So there's he's not right. <laughs> no, he was legitimately Taco was Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. And LeBron. I'm like, if you can, then so can Lego Movie, right? But uh, dude, right on, man. That's cool. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So if you had to give a piece of advice to anybody that's that's like, I hate my job and and I want to. I want to go make my own Benjamins. I want to, I want to pave my own way. This is, and I, I'm not sure why I was blessed with this perspective. I mean, I could say, hey, it's the, it's the gospel, and it was a, a realization I had really early in my mission, actually. So mission, so we're we're LDS, and I served a two-year mission in New Hampshire, Vermont, and Maine, um, and I had a companion. Riding a bike with a black name tag yeah, on his white yeah, shirt. Yeah. And when I say companion, I'm not like like the dude I had to hang out with for six weeks. We at understand, time. yes. Yeah. Anyways, um we, we were talking about the types of beings that are in the universe, right? Um, there's those that act and those that are acted upon. Right? So I mean this basic principle of like, hey, things either happen to you or you make things happen. Um and so I'm like, hey, I've been given this amazing ability to choose, right? Because nothing, nothing else in the universe gets to choose, right? The rock is a rock because God told it to be a rock, right? He organized matter and says, you are this. And it's like, sweet, that's what it is, right? And then we're the children of God. God created man. And it's like, hey, you guys get to be whatever you want to be. You can obey, you can disobey, whatever. But if you want to be happy, you can do X, Y, and Z, right? So I always felt, in general, empowered in a situation. Um, if I didn't like a situation, I generally felt like I could change it, right? Like in high school and football, if I wasn't starting, I'm like, I got to run harder. I got to train harder. I got to do something to beat this other guy. Um, you know, It wasn't I, just the chip on your shoulder from your older brother? That was a little bit of that, too. Um <laughs> But like, like on my mission, right? When I, this really like set in, you come into an area where nobody's being taught, nothing's really going on, and people be like, "Oh, it's just a hard area." I'd be like, "No, you're just a bad missionary." And so you just go and you start, <laughs> you start working, and you make it happen, right? Because, and so I think that I was, I was in Walmart, but I was in Walmart for a very specific reason. Like Walmart was the best thing, and it was teaching me the things I wanted to learn right then. And as soon as I wanted to do something else, it wasn't a question of like, you know victimhood like oh i can't go do something else it's like what do i need to do now to make this other thing happen right so if you're sitting in a dead-end job and you don't like it do something else right you don't have to quit your job but like polish your resume and if you don't want to be in your industry go do something else right um and because you've always got control right and it's like everybody makes these choices and you just have to decide you're like hey am i a victim or am I in charge? And you've always felt like that control was within your power. Yeah. On average, yeah. Right. Where some people struggle with that. Uh-huh. Of course, I mean, I'm not from like... I I was born into a situation where if I failed, I feel like God would judge me harshly because I've, I've been given no reason to fail in my life. You know, our mom and dad liked each other. Like, They're all right. I got abused a little bit my older brothers, but that taught me how to be a little bit scrappy. I'm sorry for that. It's fine. Um... So I'm not too emotionally traumatized. Just a little. Yeah. Anyways, no. I uh, just remember you're in charge. 
For the record, uh, because I'm older than him, I had it harder than he did when we were children. That's probably true. Because <laughs> mom Road trips, no could, planes. couldn't care as much. Came in <laughs> by the time they got to me. Ben was a great example, man. I'd hear like the dumbest yelling matches between him and dad. And I'm like, what are they even fighting about? <laughs> I'm like, all you got to do is say, yeah, dad, you're right. It might be a lie, but if you say it, it's done. Ben, ben couldn't stand for it, though. Ben, ben, uh, Ben's too big for that morally. If you felt like he was right, he had uh, to. What can I say? <laughs> I stand up for what I feel like is right. I stand, you know, my, I, you know I, I do my best to help my clients, to help those around me, and do other things right. And I'm not going yeah. to take that, you know. And I've never been more right than when I was 15 or 16 years old. I can tell you that much. <laughs> so... <laughs> right on, man. Thanks for spending time with Talking Benjamins. Yeah, you're welcome, dude. This is this this was cool, man. I'm excited. So this is this is on the record, yeah. right? And um, we're gonna get on Talking Benjamins like five years from now, and uh, you're gonna be in that place that you talked about, and then then you'll be talking about the next place, and we'll get on the record ten years from now, and mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be dope. It will be dope. It'll be dope, and people will be listening to your podcast by then. That was kind of harsh. Hey, man. It's a slow roll. <laughs> it is a slow roll. Nobody's like, I made one podcast and a bazillion people listen to it. Dude, there's been more than a thousand listens on this podcast so far. Good. But uh, we are going to we are gonna uh, go for a little more consistency here this year. Good. As opposed to just, uh, you know, dumping six on and taking a eight-month break. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Dude, thank you. You're welcome. Nate Childs. Out. Talking Benjamins. Benjamin Child. Out. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Talking Benjamins. If you would like to follow us on Instagram, it would be our pleasure to be followed at Talking Benjamins One. That is at Talking Benjamins, the number one. Also, you can find us at talkingbenjamins.com for show notes and our blog. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed, we highly encourage you to leave a positive comment. If you didn't enjoy, feel free not to comment. And either way, out of the goodness of your heart, text someone the link to this episode if you think they would enjoy it. Thank you again for listening. Talking Benjamins. Talking Benjamins. Talking Benjamins. Check one, two. Check one, two. Ah, dang it. I think we only have one audio going here. Let's see if it works. This is a test. It's not working. So this whole time, there's nothing. So we're going to play it back, see if you can. Bingo. There it is. We're recording. It's official. Official. (laughs) (laughs) You like playing on mics too much. Um, this is my first time to hear my voice back in my own ears real time. And it's it sounds interesting, isn't it? better than I thought I would. Wow. Cause usually when people talk, you know, on mics and they hear themselves back, they're like, I don't like the way I sound. I, this is not what I sound like, but you're like, I sound better than I thought I sounded like legitimately. I heard my own voice and I was like, no wonder my wife fell in love with me. It was all about your voice. Yeah, huh? man. I'm soothing AF. Just like, <sighs> And you can make really disgusting mouth noises like that. Shock of scrub. It is good.
Do you think your friend will be like, your brother ate all the chocolate, WTF? Uh, no, I think that, well, maybe. They'll be like, those two fat guys in the room don't know how to chocolate. <laughs> so for the record, we had lunch at um, Bonefish. Bonefish, yes. And then it was time to do this thing. We had no place to do it, so I called a friend who had an office right next door, and we crashed their office, and we're eating all their chocolate. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. But they left it here. They did. And I think it was in here for a meeting to be eaten. It is definitely one of those like... But it's one of those things too where if there's other people in the meeting, you're like, well, I'm not going to eat it in front of them. But then you get two brothers together and it's like... I'm going to eat all the chocolate. Do you want some chocolate? Yeah. I'm going to another chocolate. Got another chocolate. Is there nuts in it? There is. If you get the right one, there's nuts mm, in it. I'm all about the nuts. Oh, there's a special dark one. It says nuggets. It's shaped like a little bar of gold. Yeah. With almonds. Nailed it. Nailed it. But... Uh, <clears throat> All right, man. Okay. Thanks, thanks for doing this. You're welcome. <laughs> Eventually, somebody will listen to this and we'll be famous. <laughs> we'll be like, oh, those two brothers would eat chocolate. <laughs> I mean, you're going to get a very different listener. I do send these out to my clients and have them listen. That's cool. But most of them know me well enough that I might be gnawing on some chocolate with my brother in Fayetteville, Arkansas. That's not me, by the way. That's my brother. Mm. All right. Let me move my water real quick. <laughs> Gross mouth noises by Ben Childs. 